Made Visible helps people with invisible illnesses feel seen and heard. It provides a platform for people who seem fine but aren't to share their experiences. It also helps to create a new awareness of how we can be sensitive and supportive to those with invisible illnesses. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Made Visible. I'm your host, Harper Spiro, and I'm so glad you tuned in today. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is an online counseling service that matches you with a licensed professional therapist. Today's guests are a Canadian couple who live in Japan. Martina Sasnick has Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, EDS, and she and her husband, Simon Stowski, have a YouTube channel where they document their lives, food, and travel, as well as her health. Welcome, Simon and Martina. Hello. Hello. So happy to have you guys here. We've been coordinating this for a while, different time zones, and we finally got in the same time zone and made it happen. So thank you. It's taken a while, but I'm glad that we could finally do this. Me too. So tell us a little bit about who you are, where you guys are from, and what you do. Oh, so such a complicated answer. Yeah. That used to be easy. So in a nutshell, my name is Martina, and Simon is my husband, and we were both born in Canada. Right. You're Polish-Canadian. I'm a Polish-Canadian, right? Yep, and I'm Croatian-Canadian, and we originally um, thought that we'd be staying in Canada for our whole lives, mm-hmm. and then we ended up moving to Korea, where we were teaching, but then ended up starting an accidental YouTube career. It wasn't intentional at all. We were just trying to make videos for our families to show them that North Korea wasn't going to destroy us, which was 2008. It was all the hype 10 years ago, but uh, never followed through. So we just made videos to show everyone that we're okay. And then other people started watching them for some reason. And now here we are doing this as a career. Yeah. And now we live in Japan. Right. And uh, we originally didn't focus on my chronic illness, which is Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. I have HEDS or hypermobility, also known as type three. They've been changing it all the time. Right. And so we started adding a little bit of honest talk about my condition, I think maybe like five or six years into YouTube. Yeah, I I think so. It took a while. Only over the past four or five years have we really started talking about it more and letting our audience know. Yeah. And having uh, podcasts like yours and other people starting to like discuss invisible illnesses and chronic illnesses has really created such an incredible environment and community for us to all discuss, you know, our issues and problems that we never knew you know, was happening to other people. So for sure. Yeah. So it's been a weird twist of events. I love that so much. And I love that you're so willing to talk about this topic, especially given the platform that you already have. So I'm excited to dive into this. And how did you guys meet? We met back when you were in university in romantic poetry and prose class. This was a, a good, what, 15 You got to say it in your so? old man voice. <laughs> this is been 15 years ago or so. Is that my old man voice? That's how we do it. Uh, yeah, we met at university and we became good friends. And then we pretty much realized like soon into dating, like a month into dating that we were going to get married. And we've been together ever since. Yeah. Love that. And so you were diagnosed, Martina, before you guys met? Yes, it was, you know, the weird part about it is since EDS was so not really studied or talked about, I was diagnosed after most EDS people will have the same story if you have hypermobility. Tons of subluxes. Uh, sublux is when your joint comes out, but not totally. So it's like a little bit. And then if you have a dislocation, that's usually with like tearing, you mm. tear muscles and or, you know, tendons and stuff. So I had tons of those through sports. And then by one fluke day, I was getting my third or fourth MRI on my shoulder I think I was like 13 or 14 and it had never healed. And then this random doctor came in like a movie and they're like, hello, you don't know me, but 
I think you need to sit down. And they told us that they think that I have Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. And they really didn't make it a big deal because they didn't really know what to say about it. I think so, yeah. You know, So they pretty much just told my mom I have lots of extra collagen, which is incorrect, Mm -hmm. and that I'll just basically have really smooth skin, no wrinkles, and that I'm a little bit stretchy. It sounded like it was just going to be pretty easy. Like, wow, like you're just going to be smooth and never age. What's the problem here? Yeah. No voice needed for her because she's not aging. Yes. Yeah, they're like, it's great. Everyone should get EDS. I'm like, wow. But uh, no, so I think most people who have um, something that isn't properly diagnosable, like where they can't point to it and tell you how to deal with it. We've all had weird people not believe us or tell us we're wrong or tell us we're liars or eventually, usually like in your 20s or 30s, it kind of starts coming together where you realize that maybe all these things are not a fluke or, mm. you know, why is this still happening? And then the internet happened and suddenly you can talk to other people and go, wow, I'm not a crazy person. Mm -hmm. So the internet for me is like such a big deal. I know everyone likes the internet, but I'm really like, I found my people, my community, and it's really helped me live a better life by understanding what's happening to my body. Because I think it's really hard for you to find anybody that has your condition in person. Yeah. Like, I don't think you've ever met anybody outside of like who you've met on the internet. Yeah. It's only been through fans. Like when we have a fan meet and I'll meet someone who's like, oh, I have the same condition as you. And we like hug and gently to not disappear each other. Very (laughs) gently. And we, you know, we kind of have a little bit of moments to bitch about a couple of things like, ah, getting up the stairs with our knees. Am I right? And you just know right away that they know what you're talking about. You don't have to explain it to them, you know? So it is important to reach out and have these kind of experiences online and being able to feel like you're not an insane person, you know? I think also because it takes you so long to understand some of the symptoms that you have as being EDS. Yeah. Like sometimes you just view it as like, oh, this is just an accident or oh, this is just yeah. a fluke that this happened. But then when it happens enough and then you look it up a online pattern. and see other people, then you can be like, oh, right, this is representative of my condition. Yeah. And it took you like years to figure that out. And we're still figuring it out. Like I have new symptoms happening now. And so it's just like this weird you kind of take a step back and go, wow, I can't believe this is still happening. And doctors still don't know. Still don't know. You know, we keep on thinking of this as like the guinea pig generation. I feel like people that will get diagnosed with EDS in the future will have a lot more knowledge and information to them. But right now, I'm hoping to pay it forward. You know, like I want to be the guinea pig that gets this out there and gets people understanding what it is. And then the money can be raised and then they can get some kind of cure or at least options and then yeah or even just like a a diagnosis because it's so hard to even diagnose your condition there's no genetic marker for it yeah it's so interesting so many components of this i'm like yes yes i totally relate there's only one person in the world that i have met with my condition and we met online Mm -hmm. and my doctor told me in advance because she's both of our doctors do not hug or get close to each other based on our conditions and not wanting to give each other you know being immune compromised Mm -hmm. And not wanting to be too close together going through this stuff. And you brought up the whole online component. And I think what's so interesting is in your 20s and 30s, I think it's easier to be more of an advocate for yourself than you are when you're diagnosed at 17. And you're like, where do I even go with this? Mm-hmm. I mean, not only did the internet not exist, but it was not a resource for you to go to like you can now and learn from others' experiences. Mm-hmm. So it's amazing. What are the symptoms that you were experiencing then and what are you experiencing these days? So we've been having a couple interesting you know, moments where I'm going, wow, I can't believe this. I throw up a lot and don't know why. So throughout my whole life, like through touring, when we were on touring, meeting our fans in uh, Europe or in America and mm-hmm. 
when I say tour, by the way, we have no talent. Yes. So we mean that we go on stage and we, we do like, you are totally talented. No, I hear it. We don't have any like musical instruments that we play. I'm going to play the tuba. Have, like, we I don't, don't have any stand-up comedy. We just talk to people. Yeah, we, well, yeah. we do like our little stand-up comedy thing where we try to talk about, you know, stuff that people may not have seen on camera. But you it's know, just but the same stuff yeah. we're doing right now, really. Yeah, so yeah. we're always like, why are people here? Yes. Um, but, but no, no. <laughs> why was I talking about? Oh, yeah, so even on tour, like, there's mm. a lot of stuff, like, not knowing why, like, eating a food and then throwing up later. Or I've thrown up on airplanes and on buses, and I always keep thinking, well, what is it? And so we've been searching and searching and thinking it's something with fat. Or, mm. you know, you think you have an intolerance, so you mm. give up caffeine, or you stop drinking, or you don't do wheat. But it's EDS. it's EDS. So this is our joke now. Whenever we don't understand something, we just say, it's EDS. It's EDS, bitch. <laughs> you know? And so now I'm dealing with, uh, I can never remember how to say it, from the ironic brain fog. Lazy bowel. Not lazy bowel. What's the whole thing right now? The, dysautonomia. Dysautonomia. That's a new one. Yes. So you know how that feeling of being in denial about something? Mm -hmm. Like it happens so yes. many times and you just don't share it with anyone. Like right now, if I bend down at the grocery store to look at a bag of miso, because I'm in Tokyo, right? I'm looking for miso. And then I stand up. I completely black out. I can hear everything perfectly, but it's like the world has cut out and I have absolute vertigo, like I'm going to pass out. And yeah. so that's a problem right now because now that I'm getting old and my body's going like, oh, you've been living for so long, <laughs> it can barely get the blood pumping fast enough. So right. I thought everybody had this lightheadedness. Yeah. And I bring it up. And of course, people say things like, oh, yeah, I get dizzy sometimes. So mm -hmm. you brush it off, mm -hmm. right? But then you tell them, well, it happens to you like 25 times a day, right? <laughs> Well, I, I think the, the biggest surprise, like a big part of mm. your condition is the relentless pain. Yeah. Like I remember like similar to that story, like back when we were in Korea, maybe in our last apartment, you asked me like, so what do you feel when you wake up? Yeah. Like what kind of relentless pain do you feel? And I'm like, well, I don't know. My back is a little tight sometimes. And you know, my knee is, yeah, no, my knee is okay. That's it. And you're like, what? Yeah. That's it? What do you mean you don't feel all of this yeah. and you don't feel all of this? Martin, that was my 30s that I asked yeah, you that. It took you so long to wow. realize that other people don't live in relentless pain Because you, only, you, you do. only know your own perspective, right? Mm -hmm. So where did you go from there? Where did you start exploring and in realizing that like you were the only one going through this in your house at that moment? Uh, I think the the big thing that I've kind of looked back on, and I hope this can help other people, is we've just realized that having a chronic illness of any kind, we don't really think about the emphasis on the word chronic, do we? We just mm -hmm. say it. We just go chronic illness, chronic pain. But really what it means is it's going to come back. And that means it's also going to leave. And I think that's the part that frustrates most of us is that we have those good days and you feel like, oh, this is who I am. Like, oh, I'm fine. Like, I can do this. And then suddenly it's like a roller coaster where you're plummeting down, you're exhausted, you're sick, you know, you're throwing up, you're, you can't move, you're in pain, whatever. And you go like, why did this happen? And you try to search to figure it out. But as our joke was before, mm -hmm. it's, EDS, it's bitch. EDS. So that's the chronic part that I'm kind of accepting now as I get older, mm -hmm. that I will constantly go back into dark places. I'll have to fight depression. This is our life. And it's not, I don't mean this in a pessimistic way. I mean it in a, oh my God, right. It's going to come back up again. We know the patterns. We know the cycles. This isn't something that we could like wish away or if we just like hide from it, it won't come. It is going to come. It's going to come. So you know? how do we prepare ourselves for this? And then that's the step of like, you know, going to physiotherapy once a week, even though I don't want to, but like I go and I learn new techniques for my body and I, mm -hmm. I do physio every single night and every single morning and I take my medication. And now that we're in Canada, we can have access to medical marijuana, which yes. is like. I wish it would just legalize all over the world. And so you take advantage of whatever you can mm -hmm. to try to maintain yourself in that up cycle, right. you know, of the good part of the chronic part. 
But inevitably, you accept that the bottom part will come again. And it might be something new, like a new symptom that you've never experienced. And then you have to learn how to cope with that. But that's okay, because you'll have an up again, you know? Uh, when we were talking about relatability before, about like how weird it is to relate, I think another issue that like we've just been discovering lately is that when Martina would explain that she has a symptom or something would happen, I think a lot of people around her are in denial of it. Like even for me, even for like family or, or friends, like Martina's had lots of experience in which she'd be like, oh, I think I broke my finger or, oh, I'm feeling this way. And other people would be like, nah, there's, there's no way you could do that because we always believe that like, that just doesn't make sense. Like trying to step out of your ideas of like how regular bodies work and realizing that like Martina's works really differently yeah. is something that like is hard for other people to understand. And it's also, I think, hard for Martina hearing so often that like, oh, no, you're just imagining or oh, no, it's not real. Mm -hmm. How do you navigate that? Because I find that, you know, one of the things that I've been dealing with a lot with side effects from a drug that I'm mm -hmm. on is fatigue and achiness that is like really extreme. Mm -hmm. And so when I say to someone, hey, I'm not really up for doing X, Y, Z, I'm exhausted. They just assume like I had a crappy night's sleep like anyone else did, but it's different. Mm. So I'm trying to come up with what the right language is to educate my friends who love me dearly, but just don't know how to navigate this. And I wonder how you've done mm -hmm. that. Yeah, good point. I've had a two point approach to this. So one of them is there are times where I just realize, no matter how much I try to explain it, that some of my friends and family might just be in strong denial. So no matter how much you explain to them that, you know, like, for example, your immune system is different. Like if you say, I can't come over because someone has a sick kid, they might say, you know, oh, well, you've already met me this time. So I'm sure you got it. Like if they say that kind of stuff, I kind of clue in without it being angry anymore. I go, right, this person doesn't really get it they don't quite understand it. And then in that case, I give myself a normal excuse, you know, like, I'm starting to get a sore throat or scratchy eyes, like, I don't think I can make it out. And people generally don't want sick people around. But if I think that my friend is, you know, um, ready to really dig into the reality of chronic, chronic pain and chronic illness, and having a friend who will chronically come to events and then not, you know, the whole spoon theory, have you heard of that one before? Of course, yeah. Right. So I usually do the spoon theory. I break that down for them. So I usually ask a question that everyone can do. So I say, you know, for example, when you take a shower in the morning, how much energy do you think it takes you? Like, is it exhausting to wash your hair or do your elbows hurt or do your arms hurt? You know, like, and I ask them all these things. And as I break through and break down a simple moment, like reaching for a mug or pouring a coffee, as I explain that to them, I tell them how draining it would be for me. You know, by the time I leave the shower, I can't even lift my arms anymore because it's such severe swelling and pain from my dislocated shoulder being dragged up. Like I'm using my body like a mecha bot, right? Like I shouldn't be moving my arm, but I do from willpower, right? So I explain that to them bit by bit. And I find that that really helps them understand how draining it can be. And I try but to there's come, no easy language. No, right? there's no, there's easy, no language. easy phrase that you have. It's just it's a it very long process yes. of, of educating people, which I is think. why I mean, if I feel like my friend or family member isn't going to get it, I don't even try because mm -hmm. then, you know, we're exhausted. Like we don't, we don't have the energy you to only have enough spoons, <laughs> can't spend an hour of it on explaining. Yeah. So it's selective. But I find that you must find something in their life that's relatable. Like if I try to explain it from my perspective, it's never going to make sense. Mm -hmm. You know, like I've broken my arm and been like, it's broken. I know it's broken. And people are like, you're not crying. Okay. So it's not normal. So we can't expect people to really truly grasp it. So I just try to get into their mind, think of something that they would do that's average and then really expand how not average it is for us. 
I love that so much. And I think it's such a valuable piece of advice. You keep saying the word we, and I want to know more about your relationship and how you navigate your illness and being the husband of someone living with an invisible illness and how you talk about it together with other people and just navigate the ins and outs. Oh, wow. That's tough because there's no, I I think I've been doing it wrong for a long time. Like even up until recently, I, I wasn't really acknowledging just how much Martina's changing. There's always this imagining of like how she was before versus how she is now and just like denying, oh, she's not changed. She'll just be all right. It's, it's really hard to process that. So I think only lately we've really started to understand, hey, Martina's in, like we have different rules of like how we can go out and do things. So we we sit down and we talk about things a lot. There's a lot of question asking mm-hmm. happening on. Like, so for example, to mm-hmm. expand on what you mean by rules and stuff, yeah. um, you know how like you're experiencing fatigue now and aches and pains, right? Yeah. So fatigue is something that comes and goes. Sometimes it's like I have energy and I don't know why. Mm -hmm. And other times it's I'm out and it's like a battery's pulled. It's like the plug is pulled on your body and you start almost like shutting down. Mm -hmm. So when that starts happening, you know, Simon and I had to have a talk in advance to understand why is this happening? Is it because it's cold out or is it because it's too hot? Or, you know, me not taking the elevator, even though I said I can take the stairs, Mm -hmm. maybe that's not a good idea on hot days. So you basically have to keep talking about why do you think this happened? What is the environment around it? And how can we prevent this in the future? Mm-hmm. And so you're making these little kind of like battle plans or mm-hmm. at strategy plans that you might use to attack different situations. Right. Well, at first it's like, it would seem like a lot of these situations, you could just wing it. Now spending the time to like, remember how things went to observe how things are going and then try to apply them in the future. It's, it's a lot of talking. And a lot of it sometimes is question asking, uh, Asking, 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 question asking, but to the point that it could be sometimes even excessive. Like, is it okay like this or is it like this? Well, what if we do it like this? What if we do it like this? There's a lot of, and it's overwhelming, you know? Yeah. So it's, there's no easy flow for this yet. We're still learning how to do this, but we understand that this is a team effort and and both of us have to step up to the plate. There I say, it's exactly chronic again, right? The problem with chronic and this word is just thrown around, right? Is that it comes back. And when it comes back, it doesn't mean that it comes back the same way. Mm -hmm. So you can progressively get a little bit worse. And instead of saying worse, I like to say different, Mm -hmm. you know, like we become differently abled as we change with age and as we have injuries, but you have to adapt to these changes while most people are so used to having no change Mm -hmm. until suddenly they hit like, you know, 40 and it's like, oh, your knees are hurting. And there's all those movie jokes like, oh, I'm four, I'm still young. Or suddenly you have menopause people that have a chronic illness, we start experiencing these changes constantly. You know, when we were younger, when we get mid, when we're teenagers, when we're adults. So we have to learn how to flow with this chronic part. Mm -hmm. And our partner needs to kind of understand that we're not going to be in one place. We're going to be constantly changing and we have to learn how to flow with that. Mm -hmm. Have you always been in sync about this? No way. No, no, No. definitely not always. Like is even up until recently that we like had to like really discuss how we discuss things. Like I'd say maybe like two weeks ago, we Mm -hmm. would have had a very different discussion than we're having right now. Mm -hmm. What shifted? My illness has definitely gotten a lot worse. So with the dysautonomia, I'm now starting to get um, anything at all. So like if it's cold out, my body should say, oh, it's cold. But instead it says, you're in the Arctic and you're dying. And so it clamps me down into the coldest shaking shiver. Even if it's- spasms. Yeah, it's spasms. So I get muscle spasms in my back and my neck, my teeth clench shut. It's like almost like a seizure while you're awake. Mm -hmm. You can't talk. When you try to talk, you don't sound the same because your tongue is kind of locked up. 
it's really painful. And it was scary at first because sure. I actually think I was out with Dan at the time. I was doing some kind of like video editing and mm-hmm. I just clenched up and started like shaking and you know, friends that you haven't told this about properly, they don't know what to do. Right. And you, you don't know, even know about it. I don't know what well. to do. Right. Yeah. So that happens in the cold. And then in the hot, I have the opposite, which isn't as scary, but I just start pouring sweat. Like my hands look like I washed them suddenly and mm-hmm. my body can't cope and I have to just take everything off. And mm-hmm. that feels better. But if I don't take everything off in time, I get faint. Like I feel like I'm going to die of overheation. Mm-hmm. So it's over overheating. Overheation is not a word. Is that, that's a word that we, we made up. Overheation is an amazing word. If you put a pizza pocket in the microwave and you microwave it and you try to eat it, your mouth will get overheation. I, I could see that working. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so I, I, the big change, I think, was just very new startling symptoms and a real honest talk of saying like, hey, things are very different now. Like we have to discuss how are we going to pursue our career differently now? How are we going to pursue different life goals differently? Like there's serious talks now that before we were just kind of like, we have an idea of where we're going, let's just follow the path. But now we have to make some adjustments here or there. And with that said, travel is a huge part of your YouTube channel. right? So how do you decide what aspects of travel you do or don't do and what you share on your platform as it relates to your invisible illness? Sure. Yeah, the sharing part has been a struggle because I think that a lot of people online might think that YouTubers, we all know what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't know what the fuck we're all doing. Like, no idea. No one knows what they're doing. You're just, it's, it's the wild, wild west. There's no manual to becoming a YouTuber? No, no apparently, right? Yeah. And the manual people, you can tell, like the people who are on camera to be actors and actresses, there are YouTubers now that it's their job and they're kind of actors and actresses. Like you can see them on the camera and they don't edit and they don't script the videos. They fit into a very narrow role with narrow expectations and it's easy for them to understand what their duties are. Yeah. Duty. Duty. (laughs) You said duty. Um, But for us, it's like, it's almost like you meet someone who tells you you're a lifestyle blogger and we're like, we are. I thought we were just foodies like fucking around and eating good shit like so it's kind of strange sometimes to see that people are looking at our lives in a particular way and Mm -hmm. so by saying that I don't like to show people that you know oh I can travel and it's so easy and I'm at this place because that's not the reality of my life but I also don't want to drag people down yeah you know how do we have that balance of being informative but not fun but not misrepresenting what your condition is like that balance is a very tough one that we still like discuss often. Yeah, with each other. I, I struggle with it because, you know, I have days that I'm, I have something called build a ladder. And so build a ladder, it's kind of a mantra that I use for myself. And what it means is because of chronic illnesses, we have those days where we're plummeting downwards, right? Where we're doing so bad and we feel so depressed. Like, I hate this. I can't believe this is my life. Why me? We all have those pity party, furious thoughts, you know? And then on those days, you have to try to get out of that pit. And so for me, build a ladder means that Every little step of the way counts. And most people don't count that because it's easy for them. But getting out of bed is hella hard. And that's a rung that you can add onto your ladder. On the ladder, right? That gets you out of that pit. Like just giving yourself that pep talk. You know what I mean? Like I'm sure you had that pep talk where you just don't want to get out of bed. Celebrating small wins. Yeah. And so like, you know, I try different things. Like sometimes I have to listen to motivational speeches. Sometimes I listen to music. Sometimes I just cry instead. Sometimes I go like, I get mad and then you get out of bed and I go, that's a freaking rung. And then if I take a shower, I'm like, heck yes, like I'm too out of the pit. So I feel like these little steps and these little mantras help me get going. And when I shared that with my audience, a lot of people felt like it re- was this the word resonated with them. Resonated. Resi- resonated. I can't do the English. 
Now that you're like in an English speaking country, you just can't speak the language. It's overwhelming it is, all, really... all the English around us because when you're in Japan, you don't read English everywhere. So you just kind of like tune it out. You know, and here we read it all with our eyes and we hear yeah. everybody talking. I'm like, I can hear everyone. Sorry, it's, it's really distracting. <laughs> you're creating such incredible words. Thank you. I like my new creations. Yes. Overheation. Overheation. Uh, resonating um, with them. I think yes. we had a talking word as well. Something like yeah. that. Um, so what are some of the things that you do not show on camera that are part of your life? Oh, like just crying all day long. <laughs> Those don't make, <laughs> Those for don't good make videos. it. Yeah. Um, I would say though, that like, I, I talk so much with my community, like we call them the nasties for those that still remember our, that's like an old fashioned fan club name. It's a joke. But it's a rainbow letter support rainbow team. Letter support team. Yeah. Them. It's an, an inclusive, you know, rainbow letter support team is anybody can join and it doesn't matter what, and you can climb this ladder. And, um, the rainbow letter support team knows that I'll have days when I'm just feeling really awful and, you know, I don't sleep. I sleep like an hour a night or something. And then I'll be up on Instagram and I'll just be posting you know, this day freaking sucks. I didn't sleep. However, here's like a pro. So basically I try to always balance out my cons with pros, yeah. but I'll still allow myself the ability to say, I'm going to put eight miserable posts up today on Instagram, but I'll make sure I combat them all with a little bit of positivity. So my rainbow letter support team and the other nasties, they know that now it's like a secret code. Like, Oh, mm. Martina must be having a real shit day. Yeah. So although I'm not sharing, you know, nonstop crying and rolling around on the ground in a blanket and being like, why me? I'm not showing that I'm still showing them that things aren't going great, but you know, like you still wish you could show people just how hard it is to get a video filmed. Like just how hard it is to hold a camera or and, be on camera. And or, also like, it's hard for me as a husband. Like if I see you in a position of like being sad and yeah. uncomfortable, I don't want to pull out the camera yeah. and be at a distance and be like, here, cry to this machine. Yeah. I want to be there comforting you. I want to be there beside you. I, you don't even want to think about the camera at the time. So I'm not sure if it's a matter of like willful omission as much as just like a, not even considering yeah. it at that time. Yeah. I don't you even know? consider it. Like you asked me to a couple times and I said, it was just too tough. It's really tough to film. You yeah. Know? I was like trying to think of putting together a video that showed the off days, you know, like mm -hmm. I wanted to put together a video that showed all the on days you guys have seen, you mm -hmm. know, but here are the off days, but we just couldn't do it. Yeah, man. It's, yeah. it's sort of like having somebody there to film you that just captures it so that Simon can remain as the role of your husband, not the, the film person, yeah. the videographer. Um, Simon, you mentioned that you don't necessarily consider yourself a caregiver and it's not a term that you're comfortable with. Can you explain a little bit what that's about? Well, see, the caregiver term sounds like there's a bit of a power dynamic in there that I don't necessarily like. Like this person needs care and I am the one above it, like bestowing it onto them. I don't, that kind of divide, I don't necessarily like. I want to view this as like, both of us are tackling a problem together. We might have different roles, but I don't want to imagine this as like me giving something to Martina. Ellers Danlos is its own beast, and we're all trying to fight it from different angles. She'll fight it from her angle, which is the much harder battle. Boo! Boo! You got the sucky roll Boo, here. Boo, Ellers Danlos syndrome. But I want to attack it from a different angle if I can. You, you know what I mean? Or I could be reading too much into it, but every time I did hear or see caregivers, there's always such a a sad connotation to that term. I, it's just not represented well enough in the media for me to be comfortable accepting No, it. I know what you're saying. I, you know? I, yeah, I think what you're trying to say is, you know, 
okay, so everybody has issues in their life, right? We don't all have chronic illnesses, but mm. you might be born to a family that fights a lot, or mm. maybe, you know, you're missing a different parents because some parents, you know, passed away, or you've had someone abuse you. Like people have different things handed to them in life. And when we get to know people, we have to get to know how to take care of them. Yeah. Like that person, they don't need to have a chronic illness for you to care for them. And it seems like the term caregiver is only given to sick people. Yeah. Right. Like, oh, you're sick. So I need to care for you. Right. But I mean, don't we all care for our yeah. friends that go through different things? Like my friends that had like mm. a crappy childhood, like mm. I care for them and yeah. I, I have different love languages of what I do for them. I have my own issues as well. Mm -hmm. And like you take care of me. Will I consider you a caregiver? And like we wouldn't, we would be we like wouldn't. the caregivers only for the sick person. No. So I think we might be feeling a little uncomfortable maybe with the phrase of the word right or like the feeling of like only you can give care because i'm the sick one yeah yeah There's does some... that make sense do we sound weird yeah i, I think no, we read totally the language too much yeah i think that's the big thing is that it's the language it's the actual word and how it breaks down that doesn't work for you and how the media plays into it mm -hmm. and i totally resonate with that mm -hmm. i mean i think that there are past guests that i have had on the podcast who are caregivers and really resonate with that word, whether it feels like their full-time job, which is a weird concept to think of in itself, right. or if it's, you know, what they have to do because they have a child that has a condition and this is just what you do. Yeah. So I think everyone handles things differently and some words work for them. I mean, I don't like when people say she's struggling with an illness. I don't like the word struggling. Like yeah, we're not fucking struggling. We're kicking ass. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like struggling is like, you're struggling. You know, you guys are the ones struggling. We're the ones that are playing life on hard mode. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I don't want anyone to ever feel bad for me. That is my biggest thing in everything that I share and hosting this podcast and telling my friends what's going on. I don't want people feeling bad for me because that does not help. Mm. I can really tell you that I have that same feeling. Like, I mean, again, we go through phases. So sometimes these things bother you and don't bother you. Right. But like, I have some friends now that I'm getting sicker. They give me pity eyes. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean by pity eyes? Oh, I do. Right. So I don't know how to explain it because I know my friends, like some of them don't, they show concern in their eyes, but it's not pity. It's like, I'm concerned and I feel sad that you're Empathy going to versus pity. Yeah. yeah. And, and the pity eyes are the ones where I'm like, I can't obviously say to somebody, you know, it's just me being like, I don't like the way your eyes are looking, mm -hmm. but there's a feeling that you get where the person's like, Oh, I feel so bad for them. As opposed to somebody going, gosh, I wish my friend wasn't going through this. Yeah. You know, like I wish they didn't have to feel this and mm -hmm. I'm concerned for them, but I'm okay. So I, I don't quite know, like I'm still grappling with these feelings I have of pity versus Concern? We haven't figured this one out yet. That's not something we have yeah, a full but it's answer a, for. It's a new thing that I've been rumbling about in my mind. You know, Maybe you can help out with this one for me. I don't have the well, answer, but it's definitely something to think about. I mean, I think about it a lot because I want to be able to educate my friends and or train them to be better at handling mm -hmm. me and navigating what I'm dealing with when things are completely invisible. Last week, I bailed on friends because I really didn't feel great. And I saw them the next day and they were like, oh, you look great. Right. And I want to punch them in the face. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a really tough balance of like, hi, you're like one of my favorite people on the planet, but you don't get it and you'll never get it. But how can I tell you that I may look fine, but what I was dealing with yesterday really fucking sucked. Yeah. There's a couple of things that I've been trying to do now. So a couple of them are, I think that sometimes our perspective is that people don't understand us because they sound so positive. Like, oh, you look great. Or you look fine. And mm -hmm. we're like, what the heck? Mm -hmm. You don't understand it. But I'm starting to try to change my mindset to say, maybe they're saying that because they care and they're worried and they're trying to keep us positive. And so they don't quite know what to say. 
Like they don't know how to say, Hey, are you okay? I'm worried. So instead they're like, Oh, you look great. Like something you might say to somebody who just had a baby and is at home and looks exhausted. And you're like, you know, Oh, you look great. And for that person, they also might feel the way we feel that one time, you know, and then they get their groove back. But for us, it might be that hearing it constantly all the time from people where we know on the inside, like, I have a real hard time with compliments and this has been my biggest struggle because, you know, people will say to me, oh, you're so pretty. You look so nice. But I feel like a pile of shit because I have to live in my body. Right. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from BetterHelp. That's Better H-E-L-P, an online counseling service that matches you with a licensed professional therapist. No matter where you are in the world, BetterHelp lets you schedule video and phone sessions with your therapist or even text them. Not only is it convenient, but it's also affordable. BetterHelp's therapists specialize in many different issues from depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, self-esteem, and more. I've talked with many guests about the importance of therapy, and it's something I believe everyone can benefit from. It's so valuable to be able to talk to someone with an informed outsider's perspective. With BetterHelp, you can have these conversations at your own pace, through a secure online platform, and with a counselor you love and who gets you. It's not self-help, it's BetterHelp. Made Visible listeners can get 10% off their first month of BetterHelp by visiting betterhelp.com backslash made visible. That's betterhelp.com slash made visible. And now back to the show. So inside of our bodies, we feel a particular way. And then people on the outside say, you look great. And I think that clashes with what we're actually feeling. Mm -hmm. So the big step I'm trying to take is, like you said, talking about to your friends, maybe explaining to my friends this thing. Like, I got to be honest. When you tell me that I look great after I had a really crappy night, I know you mean for the best, but it really makes me frustrated because I don't feel great. And it was just as much as a push for me to come out to see you the second day Mm -hmm. as it was me canceling you on the day before. And if you're up for it, I'd like to tell you a little bit about how my day went last night when I stayed home. Yeah. So I think that can help open up the experience because we are experiencing it, but they're not. So we need to tell them what we're experiencing. And, well, and how, then they how can open get do you feel to talking to your friends? Like, have you talked with anyone? only with some of my closer friends only. who I feel are like ready to hear about it? Because it's scary. Like, I, yeah. I think it's scary for you to like open up and tell that to some friends that you think might not be ready for it. I'm yeah, guessing. it's it can be scary. And you can worry that they might poo poo it away. And then you might feel, you know, dismissed, or mm. they might be really worried and go to the pity zone. But I think it's worth the risk if it's somebody that you care for, because we don't want that frustration to boil over to the point where you start wanting to not even see them, you know? Yeah, I definitely relate to that. And I think your point of coming up with analogies and things that do relate to their life is really helpful Mm. to try to identify how to be like, hey, remember when you were dealing with this? Well, imagine that times 10, Mm -hmm. you know? Whatever it may be, not trying to dismiss anyone else's because I'm like so anti- comparing and saying like my illness is worse than yours Mm -hmm. or anything like that but just sort of acknowledging like remember what you went through and think about this being part of your life forever instead of that like one-off day Mm -hmm. that you had um i'm gonna switch gears a little bit Mm -hmm. and i want to hear a little bit about in running the youtube channel that you do you eat a lot of crazy foods yes and i'm really curious what role food plays in your life and your health Hmm. 
So I think that I've gone through all the phases that most people who have had a chronic illness have done where you stop eating things because everyone wants to be up in your information, right? Like if you just go vegan, if you just stop eating tomatoes, you, you do don't vegan, eat vegan raw and then low, low yeah. FODMAP. And there's all these things that people tell you not to I need to, to take this supplement. I can't take that supplement. I should cut this out. Like I went through phases where I did try a lot of that. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I tried all the different things to see what might work because it almost makes you feel like people are blaming you for your illness. Like you could cure your illness if you only listened to me and juiced. And if you're still suffering, it's your it's choice. Your, it's your choice. You just need to give up meat. So mm-hmm. I've gone through a lot of that. It's really, you know, made a frustrating relationship with me and food yeah. because I've always struggled with concepts of weight my whole life because all of us usually have someone in their life that tells them, you know, you should lose weight or not lose weight or. You know, you kind of have that battle as a girl, especially. So I already have that struggle. And then being on camera, people will comment on the way you look and tell Mm. you if you look fat or if you don't. Oh, yeah, they'll tell you. They'll They'll let you know. All right. So you have that happening, you know. And so then eventually what I had to realize was, and this is what we were just saying before, how many of the foods that I'm eating are actually problematic because I can't eat them? And how many of them are just a fluke that happens to irritate my stomach that day, Mm -hmm. but actually had nothing to do with my stomach and Mm -hmm. had more to do with me not being healthy that day. Mm -hmm. So my stomach choosing not to digest that day Mm -hmm. because it didn't have the energy and then choosing to throw it up instead Mm -hmm. or choosing to immediately abort the food in the form of diarrhea. So I'm starting to realize that I've kind of set patterns in my head and those patterns make me feel paranoid. Like I can't consume certain foods. And now we're trying to shake it back and say, hey, maybe that's not correct. Yeah. Maybe these foods aren't triggering right. like a flare Because you were afraid of like meats for a while. I, yeah, or like fatty oils. Like, yeah. I'm trying to say, hey, maybe it isn't this. Maybe mm-hmm. it was the day altogether. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe the whole day was too much of a day. And I, I think it's a shame because like for the original idea of like what is the relation of like food with our channel, the way that we experience food, like whenever we travel and we make videos about it is it's very much ultra presence in the moment kind of thing. Like Mm -hmm. when you're there eating something, you're not thinking about your day beforehand. You're not thinking about it afterwards. You're like putting the food in your mouth. You're feeling, where is it on my tongue? Is it on the back of my tongue? Is it on the front of my tongue? What does this taste like? What does this remind us of? Like it's such a, like a grounding experience and such a good distracting experience with great conversations. You're and, excited about the farmers, guessing, and the produce, like right. where's this from? Like, wow. We learned like, the you histories know. of a lot of these foods. So it's such a, there's so much you could dig into. And like, that's the main reason that we got into it. It's, it's very much like build a ladder. It's rung building. It it's makes exciting. You, it's, it's, you know. it's so exciting. So now to have these like fears, paranoia and know. these fears really gets in the way of us doing the kinds of videos that we like. And that's a scary thing. Yeah. You know, that's gotta be really tough. I mean, anything that goes with any business in anything that you do, that it changes and it evolves, but it's interesting that your health and your condition are what's making it change and evolve in a different way than you probably anticipated. Right. And so what exactly happens is that, you know, we're concerned about how much do we bring my illness into videos and how much will it, you know, spoil or or ruin other people's experiences? Because we know we have a whole collection of people that they don't care what we do. We've truly become like friends friends and family. We've met a lot of our viewers like offline, like they'll come to Japan and we'll like take them out to a restaurant. Like we have a very good connection with the people that watch it. And we love them. Like it's really like extended family. And so I know that there will be a huge amount of people that they don't care if I'm mentioning that I'm ill that day or not. Mm -hmm. 
but there's still the people who are like, you know, shut up. Like, we don't want to yeah. hear you talk about your illness. Like, you're bringing me down. Like, there's some casual viewers that aren't interested. And like, so whenever we do talk about more personal or vulnerable stuff, we know that those casual viewers will be upset. And that's a, that's a painful choice that we have to yeah. make sometimes. And so I, I think that the choice that I'm pretty much, I, I'm nearly there, but I'm not 100%, is that I don't think I'm at the health stage in my life anymore where I can keep it out of my videos. And I don't need to make it the whole focus but I do need to make sure I am true to what's actually happening. You know, like it's real. Like I can't lie to people that EDS is not getting worse with old age and just being like, everything's fine. Everything's great. Like that's not even good for my health. And it's not good for my viewers who are going through similar struggles and who might go, oh, well, Martina's doing fine. Why can't I do fine? Mm -hmm. I don't want them to think that way. I want them to see that, yes, you can do fine, right? This is the chronic part of chronic illness. You make your way up the ladder and you get out of that pit but you will have days where you will feel exhausted and it's hard to hold a normal job and you'll be struggling and you'll be fatigued and you'll be depressed and you'll cry and you won't know what's wrong with you. Mm -hmm. And then you'll read a bunch of funny memes about being sick and you'll laugh on some Reddit community that's about you and you'll have wonderful meetings doing podcasts, you know, and, and then you start to go, I can handle this. So I feel like I need to include that in my videos and in mm -hmm. my life because that's the reality. And you have like, that's a, that's a major concern for our viewers that do have similar conditions. Mm -hmm. Like we don't want them to feel as if they're not doing well enough. Mm -hmm. I don't want them to look at your videos and be like, Martina's doing so well. And what's wrong with me? Like, so how do we include something for them so they don't beat themselves up or so they don't feel mm -hmm. as if they're feeling it's tough to try to keep everybody happy, you know? Yeah. I can't even imagine the kind of responses you get from people, especially those who are fans of yours, but sort of don't really care about the health side of things because that's not what they're following for. It makes sense. Like we don't expect people to like everything about us. That's unrealistic. But how do we balance that out at the same time? There's no real answer for that. So as you continue to share your story on your platform, what is your ultimate goal for this? Is it to raise awareness for research? Is it supporting people? What is it as it relates to invisible illness? For me, it's for supporting people. I just felt so alone. Like I felt so alone my whole life. You know, oh, I'm crying on a podcast. <laughs> podcast but yeah, I, wow. you know, like I felt so alone and like I was so athletic growing up. And so I, I was so, the only word I can think of is Japanese word. It, it says Genki and Genki means like healthy and happy and optimistic. And that's really me. Like I, yeah. I love the world. I love animals and nature. And like, I'm such a freaking hippie. Like I love it. And super hippie, <laughs> definite hippie. I'm a step on a snail and I cry for a day. I'm like, you oh, snail didn't deserve you it. <laughs> Um, but you know, I just, I felt totally the same story that everyone hears, you know, everyone tells you that, you know, you're fine or it's okay. And then to have these waves of depression drag you down, you think what's wrong with me? Like, why am I feeling this way? And that whole, why am I feeling this way was really the big thing that made me realize, right. If I don't understand why I'm feeling it, then maybe there is something out of my control, you know, and only recently have people really been discussing how chemicals can change your perspective, like not having serotonin or vitamin D is important. Mm -hmm. Then we find out that I'm vitamin D deficient. Right. I literally am in the negative danger zone. They're like, oh, you don't even produce it. I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. So all these things I've been struggling against for so long and mm -hmm. thinking that I'm crazy inside of my own head. Mm -hmm. You know, like I actually thought at one point that I was making up my symptoms. Yeah, I, I remember I that time. I had right. years where I thought that I was making up my pain and that I was a crazy human. Like yeah. I, I didn't know it was wrong. So finding this community and seeing people say, you know, I feel like I'm crazy. I can't sleep or, or it's exhausted to be overnight or people don't know what it's like. I'm like, right. They don't, but we have each other 
And when we have each other, I go online, I look at the build a ladder hashtag when I'm down and I see people going, what a shit sleep. I slept one hour last night, but you know, at least I went out for a coffee and I'm like, right, they can do it. I can do it. And then I do it. And then they go, she can do it. I can do it. And we just kind of have this really positive loop of complaining, but not complaining with no end, complaining with the result of wanting to live. We just want to live life normally and be happy, right? I think when it comes to like big picture kind of ideas for our channel, we've never really been that way. We've always just been like, let's make videos because we like making videos. Like as soon as we start thinking about bigger things, and I I feel people sometimes lose the appreciation for just the act of being creative. And for us, that matters a lot for Martina, finding a creative outlet that's very important for me. I'm not as creative as she is, but you know, like both of us being able to express ourselves is the goal in and of itself. I'm happy that there are more things that we could do, like educate people about Japan or like let people know about your invisible illness. But in the end, it's all about like just being true to yourself. They can just watch somebody mm-hmm. who has a condition that's similar to them or not. Yeah. And they can see that you can live your life different ways. Like you can go overseas. You right. can travel a lot. Yes, it's going to hurt. And here's what I travel with. Here's all my diarrhea medicine. Uh-huh. Here's my travel pig. Like, yes, I'm the only adult who seems to be in an airport with a pig, but I don't care. It's like not a real pig. It's a stuffed pig, by the way. It's a stuffed pig. And his name is Cody. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait, did I miss something? Right. We should right. clarify that. Right. Yeah. Important adult moment. Yes. It is a stuffed pig. <laughs> He's amazing. I've had him for years. 12 12 years years. now. Yeah, he's from Korea. And I kind of travel with him like a comfort animal. He's a pillow pig. But I also feel comforting when I hold him. And I know that people are like, why is this adult woman carrying a pig? Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, I don't care. Who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? Because we have to live our bodies in our lives. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to just be a role model through just living. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to think about what to do. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to say, if you need a freaking pig on the plane, here's a pig on a plane. I've recorded it. I've shown it. If you need your diarrhea kit and you want to talk about diarrhea with your friends, let's do it. Cause I just told my million viewers about my diarrhea. Like you can do it, like just do it. So I'm just trying to live my life and then show it rather than thinking of a goal of what to do. Yeah. If EDS awareness comes out of it, that's great. Uh I just feel like every country has its rules and every country has its companies and different fundraisers. And like, I'm not even in Canada, I'm in Asia. So I don't know where to support or who to support regarding research and stuff i just try to support whatever comes up at the time yeah just awareness and talking about it and you know like connecting with the community yeah that's what yeah i love that so much and i'm so glad that you guys use this platform to do that because there's clearly tons of people out there who are managing invisible illnesses whether eds or not and don't know where to turn and to see that you can live a quote-unquote normal life and do fun things and travel and eat and enjoy your life so that's really huge and i commend you for that What is your, as someone who is dying to come to Japan, and you will be my first phone call when I make that happen, what is your favorite thing to eat? Oh, that's such a hard question. Okay, just one. You can call it like today. I mean, tomorrow you may have a different answer. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, So there's something in Japan called gyudon. It's rice. Uh, with just some like meat on top of very, it. Very, very thin. So these thin shaved meat, it's usually like sauteed with like onions and garlic and it's all saucy with green onions and some like pink pickles on the side. And it's, I don't know how to explain this, but like 
once you've been living in Japan for 10 years, you start craving rice. There's a comfort in eating rice that I didn't feel before living in Asia. So just having warm Warm rice rice. and slurping it up with some meat and onions, just like the way that you lift it up, there's even an act of eating that's super comforting. So gyudon is my final answer. Very yeah, he, he got a little like he leaned in a lot. I, I saw grabbed it. the computer and I was shaking it. it. Was <laughs> <laughs> Wipe your lips, Simon. Sorry. <laughs> okay, now. All right. Okay, so there's just way too much to choose from, but I liked what you said, which was today. You know, what would it be today? So Ikuradon is one of my favorite. Ooh. It's uh I don't even know if it's salmon, but it's like fish eggs, which mm. sounds super gross, but they're really big bubbles, like they look like tapioca bubbles. They're orange. They're orange. Mm. And normally they can be fishy if you bite into it, like they're oily. Mm. Um, and I totally need all this fish oil because it's super important for me. Sure is. And um, if you get it on the freshest time period, they scoop it and put it onto freshly steamed rice Mm. and then they chop up fine chives like it's japanese green onion so it's Mm. not a strong taste Mm. and then they serve crispy nori like seaweed on the side you know and you make little tiny scoops with your chopsticks to capture a little bit of egg a little bit of green onion and a little bit of the white rice and as soon as you touch the white rice to the nori it starts to melt immediately because it's being like steamed so it creates this little tiny package like a little roll you just like gotta, vacuum sealing. Like vacuum almost. sealing yeah. it, yeah. And you got to be quick because otherwise it'll get too hot and it'll break and then the eggs will spill out. So it's this weird little combination of scooping up this salty, savory, like a fresh oyster. It has like that kind of briny ocean yeah. taste, but it's not fishy. And that's the part that's hard to explain. It's just its own salty, savory, green onion, creamy, crunchy little bite of magic. Well, I hope that we get to meet in Japan one day soon because truly it's been on my list for a while and and being able to hang out with you guys sounds like a fun time. Where can people learn more about you and follow your channel and your health journey? Oh, well, we Uh, have a very original YouTube name. So my name is Simon. I'm Martina. And we are Simon and Martina. (laughs) Branding. (laughs) Spot on, isn't it? We had no idea YouTube was going to happen, you guys. If we knew, we would have made it easier. But you can also look up, uh, because branding was confusing, we didn't know. uh, You can look up, you know how eat your veggies? Your parents will be like, eat your veggies. So we have eat your kimchi because we were in Korea and we wanted people to have like a little daily dose of Korea. Yeah. So I think our Twitter and our Instagram is still eat your kimchi. Eat your kimchi. Uh, but if you look up either one, then you'll find us. Yeah, come join us on our crazy watch our hair get short our hair go yeah. high we gain weight we lose weight i get sicker i don't get sicker and we have some very nice sushi videos i'm very proud of our sushi videos and our pets are adorable yay love it thanks so much guys thank you thank you for this opportunity to share a little bit about eds life i really appreciate it thanks for tuning in to made visible we hope you learned about something new today if you enjoyed this episode please take a few minutes to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes. We can't do any of this without your support. Visit madevisiblepodcast.com and follow Made Visible Podcast on Instagram. Special thanks to the team who made this possible. Elise Bonebright, the audio editor, Gemma Leghorn, the assistant producer, Dylan Chenfeld for the intro music, and Amanda Grisillo for the design.